I'm a project manager at a construction site building the internet. No, seriously, I'm focused on data center construction. My passion is electrical and mechanical systems. Enough about me. Welcome to the podcast, Doing Girly Things, a podcast focused on breaking down the stereotypes surrounding construction and making construction, working in the field, wearing a hard hat, all girly things to do. In this podcast, we focus on professional development and personal stories from people in construction. This podcast is focused on asking questions to women in the field about their experiences and how to navigate the construction industry. We'll bring on everyone from plumbers, administration, project managers, and even an author or two. The purpose of the podcast is to create a network of women in construction. Through this experience of making the podcast, I've found so many wonderful women whose voices and experiences need to be heard. Every other Monday, a new episode will be released. You can find transcripts on Doing Girly Things website and the podcast is available on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. This podcast also talks about grief. Don't worry, I'll put grief in the title. I've used grief for my mother's fatal car accident to shed a light on how to navigate it. I also have episodes for my friend Jacob and his group that work at NASA that are growing the first fruits in space. Lastly, Go to the Instagram doing girly things to find out where all the action or to the website doing girly things with one G to find the show notes. Hope to see you soon. All right, Renee. Well, thank you for coming on to the podcast doing girly things where we make construction a girly thing to do. I'm so excited that Renee has entered my circle. She was introduced to me uh, through a friend and I met her and it was so awesome. So not only has she worked in construction, but she now has a YouTube channel teaching people how to sew. So she got started out in construction with her husband and she entered the field working in administration. She mainly dealt with financials. And what I love most about Renee is that she's continuously jumping in head first into new experiences. So Renee, if you could start us off, let's start off by telling us how you moved around Alaska and Washington with your husband. Let's start there. Yes, we did. He was in commercial construction, building financial institutions. And we did. We traveled from state to state, and we were in uh, New Mexico, we were in Washington, we were in Alaska. Our home at the time was in New Orleans, and we were in Alaska during Katrina. And he was building a bank up there, and when Katrina hit, I wanted to go back home, and I wanted to get, well, I actually told everyone I wasn't going to be in Alaska in the winter because it was so cold. So I couldn't go back to uh, New Orleans in the winter because of, of the devastation. But when spring hit, I was able to go back. But what I did was I found a company that was being involved in the rebuild. And I literally interviewed over the phone, over the internet, and got a job as an admin. I had basically very little experience. I had, you know, experience in admin type work, but not in construction, just in helping my husband, you know, and uh, what he had taught me on the road. So I went back and that's how I started. I, it was a job working, uh, rebuilding a post office. So it was government work. 
So I got experience doing government contracts, working with the government and doing what's called certified payroll. It was just throwing myself right into it. I learned I was really rough. He also was doing flipping houses and, and redoing homes. So I got my feet wet in learning how to rebuild homes at the same time. So you were rebuilding homes at the same time that you were working full time. Well, we were doing both. We were doing both. And um, the homes were basically in the same neighborhood in the upper ninth ward. And we were rebuilding a post office in that area as well. So that experience was really wonderful. It really was how I learned everything from government work, which is a lot of forms. I got a lot of confidence and I was got involved in hiring some contractors. I learned all about government forms and I really screwed up a lot. And that's the best way to learn. But I really got a lot of experience. And then we ended up getting hired by one of the largest companies in the city. They did specifically government work. And I got hired in as an admin because it was a, it was a really good company. And uh, my husband already got a job. He first got a job working with them and then got me in there. I ended up working for them. I want to say it was like almost eight years. And so I was a project administrator. So basically that's a contract administrator. And did you like working in the government sector better? Or did you like work flipping houses? Because it sounds almost like the government. I really did. I, well, I'll tell you what. So that, that stint was really educational. It was multifaceted. So I spent, I, I want to say, let's see, about three and a half years on a military base. That experience was extremely positive. I worked with a vice president, senior project managers. That was really, really positive for my career, my experience. Really great professional people I worked with. I learned a lot. To this day, those people are still in my community of, of good people that I'm friends with. That was a really positive experience. That was about $80 million worth of work we did in that three, that three years. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of work and I learned a lot. After that, it changed. I worked on $55, $65 million theater. It got a little rougher. <laughs> uh, it, it, it got really challenging after that. It was a little bit, I was acute. Like, here's an example. I'd be accused of prancing through the theater. And I was, you know. There's where a little bit of sexism came into it, you know, Mm -hmm. doing the same job. And at that point, I started to believe outgrow the position. I wanted to move up. I wanted to become a project manager. I wanted to work my way up. And I started to ask about getting a position as a project manager or a project engineer, which is really the next step up. And I was basically told the only way that I could get a position as a project manager would be to leave the company and get a position as a project manager somewhere else and then come back. Most of the project managers at the company had a degree from LSU as a project manager. There was no female project managers at all. And so I thought to myself, well, if that's what it takes, you know, that's what I'll do. 
And so I did. And I, I was hired as a project manager for a residential company. And that was, that was quite interesting. I enjoyed it, but that going from, going from that caliber of commercial construction to residential was, um, it was really, it was really hard. Feels kind of like a, not a demotion, but the, the speed at which commercial moves at and the scale of it is just a little bit bigger than residential and everything's done and like a more per- professional. Yeah. And I think about from my perspective, I mean, I'm only building data centers. So I'm building millions of dollars worth of data centers. And to think about building an apartment complex or going to residential, the details are different. So I focus more on like the actual mechanical and electrical system. But in an apartment, you're caring about, does it look pretty? What's the experience whenever you walk to the bathroom? It's it's not the same sort of things. But how did you really, because it sounds like you kind of just brushed it off your shoulders that they said that you needed to go somewhere else to be a project manager. But how did you internalize that as not feeling and getting down on yourself like there really is this glass ceiling that I'm constantly trying to break? Emotionally, I detached from it. I got, I'm kind of to the point in my life now where I just had to go to the, okay, if that's the next step, let's just go to it. I did not emotionally connect to it. I, w- I was more frustrated with day to day BS than I was like, okay, if that's what I got to do, that's what I got to do. The things that bothered me the most was the day to day drama. I might have things go on within the company that were ridiculous. I mean, the, there was a lot of jealousy. I dealt with jealousy with the, the other admins I was dealing with. I mean, I, I can remember one time, one of them didn't like me. She was supposed to be fired, and she, for some reason, wasn't. And one time she was bad-mouthing me was supposed to send the email to somebody else, but accidentally sent it to me. And it was bad mouthing me. And I had to forward the email to the, uh, to the project manager on the site and said, Hey, listen, I don't know what you want to do with this. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff that bothered me more than, you know, what's the next step I have to do for my career, you know, because to me, that is wasted energy. So, okay. So I went to the next step which was this. And I actually, I enjoyed it because it was a different level of creativity and involvement that I wasn't really allowed in commercial construction. Here's an example. In commercial construction, the position I held, I was involved in huge meetings with the, with the city, with the architects, with the owners. And my, my role was simply to take notes create contracts. I was not allowed to really talk too much. I was, I, I sat there and I was an entity that didn't do too much. I wasn't allowed to be involved that much. They all knew who I was, you know, and exchanged niceties, but I didn't really have that big of a role. But when I got to the position of project manager in residential, I was able to first off communicate firsthand with the homeowners. I was involved to help them make decisions on these. These were million-dollar homes, $2 million homes 
for that area, they were high-end homes, not California, but New Orleans. Um, <laughs> I know but, you have to um, specify. It's a different market. Yeah, it's a different market. Um, but they were beautiful, gorgeous homes that we were working on. So I was way more involved. So that, for me, was way more exciting and interesting. I was involved in day-to-day goings-on of everything, you know, scheduling, purchasing. I loved it. I absolutely loved that because that's really the direction I wanted to go. So for me, that was great. However, like I said, it was professionally a whole different thing too. The owner didn't treat his employees. They, they were would never be allowed. That owner would never be allowed to treat his employees that way on a job site in commercial construction. Never. Was it like in the sense of um, like the tone that you use where it's like, get it done now or in the tone of like throwing things at them? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And the tone. Yeah. I mean, I would be like, I can remember in the first week walking up to the superintendent, like, I am so sorry. I have never seen anyone treated like that. And he looked at me. He'd been working for the man for, I don't know, 15 years. He goes, oh. Don't worry about it. This has been going on forever. And then I realized, oh, my God, if it's him, it's going to be me. It's going to be me. And in the end, it was. And that's when I realized it was time for me to move on, you know. Yeah. The other thing that was interesting was a woman project manager coming in. I I was responsible for quality control. And I had superintendents telling them that this isn't right, this needs to be corrected, they did did not like that. So that part was very awkward. So I had been told on on occasion that Renee, uh, I forget how they said it. I mean, they basically, I mean, I was kind of being told not to do my job. And I'm like, well, how, how am I supposed to come in and tell them that this has to be changed or, you know, that isn't right. And they're going, I don't know, we're going to have to figure out how this is going to work. And I'm like, okay. So if a guy comes in and tells him that this isn't okay, that's fine. But if Renee comes in and tells him that this isn't okay, then that's not okay. So that that's a problem. That is a problem. Yeah, that's and a that's bit- on them. That shouldn't be on me, you know? Exactly. And so one thing I want you to touch on right here is because there is this big divide between the office and the field in construction industry. And I really would like for you to continue because superintendents, for anyone listening that doesn't know, superintendents are out in the field. Renee's position is more in the office. And there is this big divide about office and field in the construction industry. Okay. So in commercial construction, a Project manager, it does basically scheduling, oversees the job, oversees the superintendents. Well, in this position, his idea of a project manager was really pretty much what I would call a superintendent. He wanted me to run the job like a superintendent, and that really wasn't what I wanted to do. I, I did not want to be a, a superintendent. And and I didn't, he wasn't clear about that until. I was probably at least eight months into the job and he started really spelling it out. And I'm like, no, that's not what I really wanted to do. So plus that coupled with, 
the treatment I saw of the employees. And so at that time, I was, I was looking for, a, you know, a management position. So a company that I was familiar with had a department management position. And this was a, it was a management position over uh, contract administrators. So this would be like, it's a department head, like over project managers. This would be over a department head over contract administrators. So I applied for the position. It was very definitive. It had a set of, you know, uh, role and duties. And it was a higher up position. And I was hired for the position. And I was pretty familiar with the company. My husband had worked for it before uh, in the past. And I knew several of the people. And the first day I got in there, the gal training me was the gal that had the position before but had retired and beyond making me feel extremely uncomfortable, they informed me that I am actually not being put in the position that I was hired for but I would be put back in an administrative position indefinitely. And it was almost as if I had to earn my way or prove my way into the department head position. And so I'm thinking, oh, dear God, what's going on here? And so then when I was left alone, I I had these women that I was supposed to be, they were supposed to be my, you know, the people working under me that I was supposed to be guiding. And one of them comes in when I was alone and starts to tell me what had been going on over the last couple of years that she'd been working there. They'd been through a whole bunch of admins and they'd been through, I guess, eight different gals. So I, I was just horrified, horrified. So this is a position where you know, it's contract administration. And this is, if you can imagine, the CEO is proofreading the contracts. That's some micromanaging if I've ever heard of one. I have never, ever heard of such a thing. So each and every contract, each and every change order. This is a, this is a commercial construction company. The CEO, who's a female, she was the daughter of the former CEO. He's the owner. She's the daughter. She is proofreading every change order, every contract that's going through. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So, I mean, I could go on and on and on about the dress code. Oh, the dress code. And then all, everything, I, you know, everything. It just. One question I do have for you, because you've been in kind of several positions where you've kind of found yourself in jobs that just had terrible bosses or just kind of less than ideal, what would, what advice would you give people during the interview process to kind of maybe spot this out? That's a good question. Now, the one job that I had for that seven or eight years, that one actually, I enjoyed that job. Of all my jobs, I really did enjoy that job. But I think the best thing, you re- really can't, there's questions you can ask them, but it's really, to me, and this is, To me, it's important to ask other people that work there questions. 
And then I've had other people do that. And I think that's the best way to do it. Cause I've had people, um, ask me questions, finding people and networking with other people that work there and asking them. And if you can do that through LinkedIn, through friends of friends, if there's any way to find someone else that works there and ask them questions, that is to me the only real way. I mean, because it's so awkward to ask them because you don't know what you don't know. I would never have known. I would have never known. Like I can remember at the company, the the one I worked at eight years, there was one, one woman who had a vice president role there. I mean, I wouldn't have known how they were talking about her. I wouldn't have known that the things that they were saying, you know, behind her back, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't have known that. And one thing I love about talking with you about networking is, is you've really found a way to find a bunch of people. So one thing that I love that you've mentioned to me before is that you before this is in previous times, whenever you were moving around Alaska and Washington, you would find groups online to network. Yeah. So you want me to talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that was back in the days way back. So that was back in 2000. 2004, 2005, and we had Yahoo Messenger, MySpace. So I, what I would do when we would go into a town was I would just start finding people in that town and just start messaging them and say, you know, I'm going to be moving into town, and um, like in Alaska, I think I did really well in Alaska because that was like the last big place we were before I went back to New Orleans. And I met a guy who was a DJ and then he introduced me to, to a bunch. And those people are still my friends today. That was what, 15 years ago. And um, that's what I did. I literally met, I had to be like 12, at least 12 people. So by the time I got there, you know, he introduced me to all these people and we, we would meet up. Well, you know, in Alaska, there isn't a lot to do, but I mean, that's what I did was I, by the time I got there, I had already made all these friends and we were chatting and, you know, nowadays with messenger, I mean, there's so many groups. So now what I would do now is because of Facebook, there's all kinds of like groups. You can join a group and then re and connect through the group. And that's what I would do. And there's so many ways of getting information now, especially in construction. There's all kinds of women in construction groups. I did join women in construction and there's just so much information. Nowadays, there are so many ways to connect and get information about a company before you ever go to work for them. So much easier. By asking questions, so much easier. I've used Glassdoor a little bit, but sometimes whenever you use Glassdoor, it's a lot of disgruntled employees on there. So it's kind of like an okay, it's an okay way to get reviews. But I really like the idea of finding people that work there and just messaging them because they'll let you know right away if they like it or not. And, you know, and that's a really good first spot. But but what I want to do now is kind of ask you a speed round of networking questions. So, so uh, and have you been to a networking event? And are networking events worth it? I think I went to one formal, quote unquote, event, but I, it's been so long ago, I couldn't tell you much about it. 
most of my networking I do online right now. Yep. And yeah. And I kind of like that. So I went to one networking event in Seattle. It was actually pretty cool. It was just a like you're saying, just a women in construction group. And they used to have meetups. And so I had a friend and she introduced me to the group. And that, so that was pretty cool. But what's cool right now with everything online is your networking has kind of expanded to not just your yeah. geographical area. Right. And so I really like that. Um, next question. So this was a funny question that I thought that people had about networking is when networking, what questions do I ask? Okay. So it depends on what group. So I'm in a lot of different groups. So to me, it depends on what your goal is, what kind of information and depends on what your group you're in. Different groups, I have different questions, you know? Um, so in my one group, so I'm a, I'm in one group called impact their university and depends on what, what information I want. So, and within impact theory, I'm in different groups. So one group's a creativity group. And so we, a lot of times it's just asking people where they're from, what, uh, what is it that their goal is? I also lead groups. So I have one group that I lead called badass goal crushers. And so we, we meet twice a week. So I have people in my group from South Africa, from Brazil, from all over the United States. And so we just work on different things. And we, the questions we ask are, you know, what they're working on and, you know, things of that yeah. nature. I could go on. I'm in several groups. Yeah, no, I no, And I think kind of what the gist is, is like, don't make networking force. Networking is just creating friends, but they're... But it's friends that and it's just creating a full network. Um, and so that leads me to the next one is how will networking help me? Because I know that you've had found it very impactful. So, okay. So networking will help you based on your goals. So what is it that you're trying to accomplish? And that's what you do. You set forth, you set a goal and then you focus on what that is. So you base it on your goals. So if it's just to connect with people, then that's easy. You just connect with people. If it's something, if it's, if it's specific to career, you go specific to what is it that you're trying to accomplish. If it's job specific, you connect with people, you know, related to whatever it is that you're seeking out information for your job. I mean, it just, it just depends on what your goal is. So you need clarity, clarity first. What's your goal? And then most people, if you're all in the same group trying to connect with others for information, it's really easy. Also, what can you do to help others? Because it's really beneficial if you're there to help others. Also, people are very willing to help you if you're also there to help others, you know. But you have to have clarity on what your goal is. And so have you gotten, have you always gotten your jobs through the normal applying process or have any of your no. jobs, that, so have they been through networking? Yeah, most of them, it's not, it's not through just applying for jobs. Well, except for when I was in Alaska, that was bizarre because I've never just applied for a job and, and got it. I, I don't know. I, I just, I've been really lucky. Most of my jobs are... It's not what you know, it's who you know. So every job I can think of is because I've known somebody. Every single job. It's it's all about networking and it's all about connection. Mm-hmm. 
So then yeah. what, what tips would you have for people that are introverts that want to start networking? I'm an introvert, believe you it or not. Really? I am a total flipping introvert. Now, just because I'm outgoing does not mean I'm not an introvert, okay? An introvert is someone who seeks their energy from being alone, okay? But I have four, I used to be so shy, I can't even tell you. But I have trained myself to go out and learn how to talk to people. So what you do is you're seeking information from people, but most of the time it's asking people about themselves. So most of the jobs that I have, see, I used to be in sales a lot when I was younger, before construction. So that's really about asking people about themselves. And People do usually, like I'm doing right now, talk about themselves. So when you ask people about themselves, it's an easy topic. And all you have to do is doing what you're doing. Ask the questions, you know? So that's what you do. You just start asking people about themselves. And you get a lot of information if you listen, if you, if you really listen. So that's the best way to get information on what you need to get to the next step, you know? So either... They have a link, they know somebody, they have information, but you don't ever say, I want to pick your brain. You don't see things like that, but you do, you know, just ask them about themselves and see if there's some kind of connection you can make with them. Because I think also once you, you know, when you say the words, can I start picking your brain, they have to prove to you that they're smart. Or if you just kind of just get, you know, you just make it just a casual conversation it really does turn it into more learning and listening because I do think the, I love that you said the learning to listen part. You have to be authentic and you have to really care and show interest in what it is they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I looked up the answer to this one, but I, I want to ask you to see if you know, can networking be a business expense? I have no idea because I don't know what the current, Tax laws are. Laws. So whenever I looked it up, this is not legal advice, but it did say that networking could be used as a business expense, but not all networking is a business expense. So there you go. It sounds okay. it sounds like that there's there's some good uh leeway in there, but it was interesting that um that's a pretty common search term because People understand that networking, how important it is to just make those ties. And actually the book I was reading this morning. It was talking about how as leaders, in order to be good leaders, you need to network and like talk within your team to create that trust and to create that friendship. So that way then people do want to work with you. Yeah. Like I said, I think that if you genuinely are interested in people's stories and the information they have to offer you, they know it. You know, they really do. I would uh, thank you so much. I would love to switch to our last little game for today. So okay, I have these best self cards and the cards are really nice because they help to create a conversation. I use them with new friends and they've been nice with all the zoom culture that we do have. And so I have selected two different categories. So Renee, would you prefer a life lessons question or a belief question? Oh, that's good. How about, oh, I'm going to go with life lessons and hopefully I can, I got memory for it. (laughs) Okay. My memory sucks. 
No. Describe a time when you needed extreme courage to keep going because others gave up. Because others gave up. Okay, well, I've got a few. I mean, I've had so many things happen to me. Okay, I can start with, I can remember there was a time when my first husband, uh, we were self-employed, and he ended up owing the IRS, I don't know how much, and it grew to a debt of like $33,000, and... We went through a divorce. He ended up making money under the table, and the IRS came after me. And I I was a single mom. He didn't pay me any money. And I was basically, at that time, I think I was making $10 an hour, and they wanted to garnish my wages. So I served that. I, uh, I think... I forget how I got out of it. I went and spoke to an attorney. I had to declare bankruptcy. And at this time, this was way back in the 80s or something, maybe the 90s. I was somehow back then, if you could declare bankruptcy, which was a horrifying thing to go through, I could get out of this IRS debt. I ended up, this is when I started sewing. I sewed on the side. I made just as much money sewing on the side, working my job, went through bankruptcy. I got out of that mess, and that's when I moved to New Orleans. But I had to leave my daughter, who was going into college. But, I mean, I survived all that. I got out of that debt. I left her, and then I ended up, I couldn't see her forever. But I encouraged her to get a degree in digital animation and digital music. And she ended up doing well. And she became a video game designer and became famous. She created Call of Duty, Modern Warfare. But I remember overcoming that. Like, I thought I would never survive that. You know, like, to me, I was total devastation. Like, you know, like, I that feeling at that moment... I mean, I only made 10 bucks an hour and the IRS literally, they had, back in those days, they were knocking at your door. And I remember with my daughter was just, she was young and I was completely devastated. That feeling was like rock bottom. And I'm like, I'm never, ever going to escape this. This is the end of the world. And I overcame it. And of course, my now my credit is pristine, you know. But I remember the devastation, having my credit destroyed. How am I going to survive? How am I going to support my daughter? But I got her through college. She she now has a thriving career. And I I did all that. So, yeah. How's That's that? awesome. How's that for us? That overcoming. Is, that, is, that, is some, that is overcoming some shit. That is, yeah. <laughs> that is, that is an awesome story. And I... I really just pat yourself on the back. I mean, that really is awesome that you were able to get through all of that. And then also have, you have almost these two very distinct careers that you've done. And then on top of it, you have this awesome YouTube channel where now you're teaching people to sew. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, where I want to take the channel is, yeah, I'm teaching tips and tricks on sewing because I have custom handbags. 
but the direction of the channel is going to be on mindset and growth because I believe that we are all learners. And most gals who so have a learning mentality, and that's that's what I'm going to start a, a series called uh, Sewing Group Therapy, where we all talk about growth and, and learning. So that's what it's going to be. I that's love that. The direction is. Yeah. I love that. Well, I'm so happy. And you also just got to a thousand subscribers, which I'm sure you yeah, have more now. That. Yeah, we're going to be moving way past that. But that was the that was the first uh, yeah. milestone. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Renee, for coming on to the podcast. It was such a pleasure to talk to you and all of your experiences through construction. And I'm so happy that you are now just sitting and able to relax a little bit and enjoy teaching people about mindset and sewing. That'll be fun. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.